let's get it out of the way. Uh, this this episode is not a Quake Three episode. We're not gonna talk about popular '90s PC first-person multiplayer shooter Quake Three Arena because I don't know if you know this, uh, Aaron, who I'll introduce after the intro. I love doing a cold open <laughs> with a guest uh, because I get to just pretend everybody has been introduced to you. Anyways, you just can't do it anymore. '90s PC shooters. Nobody, they, they are, they've been burned from the public record and nobody plays them. And if you try to play them, you only play against about 30 robots at once. Oh yeah. That's a different experience than, <laughs> than the true Quake 3 experience you remember? I yeah, had exactly. back in the day. <laughs> I was trying so hard to like figure out if we could make it work. And before that, the, the, the worst part is we were supposed to do Unreal Tournament and about two weeks after we said we're going to do unreal tournament for our like multiplayer first person shooter for this season they took the servers down completely and removed the game from all stores or anything like you cannot get unreal tournament in any legal fashion right now and you definitely cannot play it online in any approved method as of like two or three months ago so we we're like oh i guess we'll switch to quake 3 because at least it's on game pass and then i booted it up not too long ago and realized there's not a single server with humans going at it at all so it's like the best we could have done is some of us on the discord could have played it for an afternoon but i don't feel like that's the quintessential quake experience <laughs> Yeah, the Quake thing was hard, but the fact that you just revealed that to me about Unreal Tournament, you, like, unintentionally yeah. stabbed me in the childhood. <laughs> like, I've just thought I could I could always go back to that, mm -mm. and now it's I know. It's gone. Nope. It's all gone. Let's go! Hello and welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. My name is Matt Martins. I am here with Aaron Dono, also known as NPC Aaron on our Discord. Hey, what's up? I'm jazzed. I'm so excited to have you here today. We've uh, somewhat known of each other or about each other for a, a decent while. You also come from the board game space. Uh, you know, Hunter and I have a whole Twilight Imperium podcast thing, but you do quite a lot. Can, can you fill sort of our audience in on your uh, experiences in board gaming? Yeah, uh, I m somehow make a living uh, designing board games. Uh, <laughs> I've done a ton of licensed board games, Disney Villainous being the biggest one. Yeah. Um, I just had a Star Wars game come out, a collectible Star Wars game called Star Wars Rivals that I was the lead on, but I've been doing that for a while somehow. Yeah. Um, so. uh, I, it's, it's so cool because uh, it, what we were talking about beforehand of you're at a studio where your your name doesn't always get put on boxes, but if you were to list out your credits, uh, I mean, even just the couple you just listed are like, uh, those are major ridiculous IPs, and especially like Villainous is like a massive game in the board gaming space. I mean, it is absolutely huge. Shout out to Lord of the Board, big big fans of of everything he does. Uh, but he he does a bunch of Villainous content, so I'm I'm I've never played Villainous, but like I know it would scratch many of my itches. Yeah, I, I feel like parts of it are up your guys' alley because, yeah. you know, asymmetrical factions right. essentially right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, are seem to be uh, f 
your guys in our in our bread and butter i would say so yeah uh but that's not what we're doing today today is old gamers almanac it's the definitive ranking of every video game every week at a time and as we covered we were supposed to do uh some 90s pc game stuff this is actually the second week in a row where we've gone completely off book uh last week hunter did not want to talk about tears of the kingdom he just he wasn't it's there's no reason to be negative on the thing everybody loves right now and to hear it from him he wasn't totally feeling it so instead he and ej talked about 30 flights of loving and this week we're also straying off book and instead of doing quake 3 i'm very excited to be talking about citizen sleeper which uh was a game after we ranked disco elysium number one everybody started saying, oh, have you done Citizen Sleeper? Have you talked about Citizen Sleeper? Have you played Citizen Sleeper? You need to do Citizen Sleeper. And uh, it also, uh, this year I was, I did a uh, indie game of the moment, uh, which ended up being Chia, which I don't think was actually a game of the moment, except for in my brain. But Citizen Sleeper is sort of last year's, one of set last year's many quintessential indie games of the moment. But there was like a good few months. I mean, I saw this on a, on a number of game of the year lists from last year. Yeah, I, I I heard about it on a podcast where uh, it was dubbed part of the year of the narrative banger. Yeah, <laughs> um, by Renata Price at Waypoint, um, and then I played all three of the games that uh, she was talking about. Yeah, uh, and Citizen Sleeper was like the biggest hit of the, yeah. the three, and and so are the um, other two. I'm just gonna take a guess. Are the other two Pentiment and Case of the Golden Isle? No, I don't think Case of the Golden okay. Idol or Pentiment were released quite when she said this they oh, okay. were norco oh sure uh, yeah and uh road warden which i think oh. is a very that's a very specific audience yeah, okay. narrative <laughs> banger <laughs> well uh citizen sleeper is definitely deserving of a lot of the praise uh it is a uh narrative game you know what i will equate this to this is essentially if uh disco elysium was picking up the uh in in the shoes shoes of like old uh isometric rpgs uh, and things like this this is straight up and down a like mid 80s text adventure game like there's very little um actual like mechanics or or any visuals in this game it is almost entirely text and like some symbolic some symbology things as i was playing it i was thinking you could make this game on like an ms dos or whatever like this whole game could totally exist in that environment yeah i i used to program uh games on my ti-83 yes, graphing yes. calculator <laughs> i'm shout outs to ej right uh, solidarity <laughs> of the ti-83 heads unite <laughs> um and and this was like oh uh, minus the art i could have made this game right. on the graphing calculator so. yeah it makes you it makes uh game development seem not i won't say easy this game does not make anything seem easy but it makes it seem practical in the terms of like oh i don't need to design physics systems to make like really amazing video games i, I mean this this game is even more so than Disco Elysium. This game is just a book. It's it's a choose your own adventure book where you just make small little decisions here and there and then poke around in a few environments. Let's I guess we could talk a little bit mechanically what it's actually doing. Uh, you are just a robot character. We'll talk story more later, but you, you are this robot walking around a small space station. And you don't actually walk around. You just can see the space station and you can like scroll up and down it and you can select specific points on the map where it's just like, oh, this is like the restaurant and this is like your little house, your abandoned cargo hold that you're hiding out in or whatever. And you can click on those things and 
you engage with dialogue and then have like random dialogue prompts. I don't even think most of the dialogue prompts like dramatically change your path into any sort of critical thing or whatever. The things that do change your path is at the start of each day, you effectively roll a bunch of dice. This is the sort of tabletop role playing game side of it, but you roll a bunch of dice and then with those dice throughout your day, you can decide on actions you want to do. And you kind of have everything at your disposal on any given day. So you, if you, if you roll a six today, you can be like, oh, I have this really like dangerous punishing thing I've been wanting to do. And I've been waiting for a high roll to go do it. And on any other day where I didn't have the six, I was putting off doing it and putting off like that side of the storyline. But you get these dice, you assign them to tasks, and then they help you succeed or fail at those tasks. But so that means it's like a little bit more strategic than like, you know, your classic D&D, I try to do a thing, I roll, I succeed or fail. It's like, well, I can at least somewhat impact my decisions because I can choose my dice roll before I try the thing and then that dice roll impacts your odds from there essentially yeah so if you have a six you can generally be like that I want to pick a thing I'm going to 100% get the best outcome right on I immediately playing this game like related it to um, I don't know if you ever played like Blades in the Dark or like kind of story games. Yeah, yeah. Everything is even named like mechanics in oh, there yeah. where they're like there's clocks and drives uh-huh. and like <laughs> it, it felt very much like playing those except a solo experience yeah. with a you know no intelligence on the other end but, right. Uh, right. adapting to me. Yeah. Um, and I I I think the the mechanic does a really good job of having some tension to mm-hmm. what is otherwise just a choose your own adventure right. forking path story right. where it's like well you only have these dice yeah and some sometimes you're like putting in a two in something and just hoping you're yeah. like just don't <laughs> fail right here please yeah it's it's really beautiful because there are there's kind of two different kinds of tasks there are the things you're trying to do that have some sort of percent chance of succeeding or failing or you can basically tap into the internet of this station you can tap into the 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 electronics and the computer programming of this thing and you can use dice to just like do hacking procedures and there is no success or failure it's just a you need a two to do this one or you need a one or whatever so sometimes you save your dice and they're usually low numbers so what's nice is you usually save your four fives and sixes for the tasks you're really hoping to succeed at and then you go into the mainframe and spend all your ones and twos on that but yeah there's nothing like the moment where you're like i need this thing to progress i need something to happen and so i guess i'm gonna use the two here i guess we're rolling the dice and and the way the math works out is like a one or a two is literally like essentially a 50 percent chance of like this went okay or a 50 percent of chance of like catastrophic failure as opposed to higher dice are like a 50% chance of success or it just goes okay or a little bit of failure or whatever so like ones and twos are quite bad (laughs) and and especially because there's a minor mechanic where you need to buy food Mm -hmm. um, and also this like um, serum later on to to keep yourself functional or else you start to have less dice which I I don't know what happens because I'm immediately the type of player that's like I'm going to make sure that I'm always well fed and always have this serum but it it works to make you tense yes Uh, and I would say that is where the utmost tension of this game comes from is it becomes less about 
am I going to succeed or fail at this? Am I going to push my luck? Like in, in a moment to moment thing, you kind of know your story is just going to progress. But the, the where you start to feel your tension is in those days where you start to get down to like, I only have three dice. Like I can't even, now I can't even accomplish things. And then the game puts different sorts of timers on you based on storylines that are very, very good. The most notable one for me is like, there's this guy you meet who is essentially on the ship to assassinate you. He has been hired to assassinate you. And his whole storyline is like, as you progress through it, you keep getting new checks of like, are you going to deal with this or not? Like, cause he is coming for you. There is a clock ticking. And if you don't get stuff done, you need to either handle him or figure out a way to dodge him or whatever. And I don't know how your storyline with him went, but I basically patently ignored him for way too long. And then that worked out even in a very interesting and like dynamic way. But uh, the, it is the game is so good about, I think, coming in waves. It's not a very long game. It's six to seven hours or whatever. But I felt like I hit multiple moments uh, like once an hour, you're like, oh God, uh, 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 we're, we're really, we're, this is all, it's all falling apart. And like, you just barely eke your way out of it. You get that serum that you need to then suddenly like fully reset. You know, it brings you back up to like your full dice count. So you can now take a bunch of actions again. And there's just that huge sigh of relief. And the most notable thing to me is how often it felt like that sigh of relief coincided perfectly with like story beats in the game i'm like amazed we haven't talked about story at all yet but i'm amazed at how well the story sort of coincides with the activities you are doing and where that tension comes from in just like how many actions you have and when you're trying to risk it with the dice and stuff yeah and and since you can always see uh the the clocks that mm -hmm. they're talking about that you fill when you're doing stuff, there's also times where stuff that's not a check unlocks a clock. Like buying drinks yeah. at the bar puts segments on a clock that like is telling, are you considered a regular yeah, at this bar yeah. yet? So then you're like, well, I want to buy some more drinks because I need to know what happens <laughs> yeah. when this clock fills up. Yeah. Um, and the, the game's just like full of that. Like you're constantly filling these clocks all across the, the space yeah. station yeah. and some you're trying to keep from filling. Right. It does so much with so little. Like yes. the economy of mechanics in this yeah. game are is is really I think the the lesson I take away as a game yeah, designer sure. is like wow, what a way to tell a story yeah. and have just enough to like make it interactive without yeah. Well, and, yourself. and I, I do think a big part of that is reinforced because the writing is genuinely so strong if this was like really hokey traditionally kind of mediocre to bad video game writing it would have felt like not enough mechanics i could argue right it would just feel like ah this game is just sort of like i don't know you throw dice at things there's not that many fail states which you know me i i don't that's fine i would like to just always be progressing forward or whatever but this game could feel really bare bones except the writing is like truly captivating to the extent of i mean there is like almost no artwork in this game like there's the 3d model of the ship that you're on you're basically on like a ring ship right a, 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 a not really a generation ship but just like a space station in general where there's like a core with a pier that comes out to a ring around the side uh and you you don't do much within that like you're it's literally just a graphical interface to click some buttons and then when you talk to a character a beautifully illustrated little portrait comes up of them but almost never changes there's just like one picture per character except for like in a couple of small instances but 
that's it. Like, that's all the artwork. That's the only way they're invoking anything. Every single thing else is told through essentially all of the text, which again brings it back to that, like, text adventure game. I mean, it's, it is literally... My favorite thing about it is the text describes settings in the way, you know, just books do, but it feels like it's being reinforced by kind of the vibe and colors and everything that the game has presented you with. And the text very often does just tell you exactly how you feel as a character. There is a sense that this robot that I'm playing as isn't me. This is a character that I'm learning their story, even though I also have some input on kind of what their mannerisms are what their demeanor is about this maybe a little bit how they feel about this but so much is conveyed just through the game telling you like even internal monologue the game loves to go into little things of your sleeper questioning their own existence and and like you know you spark conversation with them and then suddenly you're not even talking to the person anymore your sleeper is just sitting there thinking about the nature of are they a person or not (laughs) yeah and given the way these robots work uh in the narrative Mm -hmm. that like slight disconnect you have from the character where you you don't necessarily feel like you are the the robot in the most connected sense it's like kind of you know weirdly genius of like oh i'm a little disconnected but because these robots the sleepers are actually like essentially a download of a person and Mm -hmm. that person is in hibernation right somewhere yeah um while the robot does manual labor for a corporation in exchange for payment. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, well, we can get into uh, the very anti-capitalist vibes of this game, which is, of course, uh, just really uh, cool and of the moment. But like uh, the, the, the story is about, yeah, you are a sleeper who wakes up on this ship. You are the shell of a human. You sort of you don't really have their memories, but you do have something of them. They are a person who sold themselves into a tube. Imagine if all of the people in like the tubes in the Matrix like opted into that and then the like mental presence inside the Matrix or whatever is this robot is that if that's a very very loose comparison but you are this sleeper who is sort of constantly grappling with am i even human what did it take for my human to choose this path for themselves and for me and the game really pushes a storyline of you wake up on the ship and more or less your goal is probably to try and get off you're trying to go mark your own path or whatever but what the game ends up being about is about the nature of um give and take (laughs) basically this is why it's an anti-capitalist message is so many people on this ship are more or less owned by the corporations that like run this ship and they're doing everything they can to either make ends meet or get rich or whatever and you are more or less in the same path as them but what you find along the way is you can't do really anything without other people just helping you to no gain of their own and you choosing to also help other people to no gain of your own. And there's so much of this just like, actually, we're just this little society that's trying to make all of this work and we are just going to all work it out together in whatever way makes sense. And so the game is known for having like a bunch of endings where you can you can chart a bunch of different courses. But I think a lot of them end on sort of the idea of you know we all helped each other to get here you can't really play like an evil sleeper that screws everyone over totally like you you can't exist on this ship without 
the help of others. Yeah, it it doesn't have uh, quite the the width of Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. and like you can just be a total dirtbag, right? You you can't really be a dirtbag, but you are sort of choosing uh, of all the characters you meet. You're kind of picking one to yeah. to, to go to the end with in a right. in a sort of way. But the game does, which I like, give you the check of like, hey. This is gonna be the end. Do yeah, you yeah, want yeah. this ending, or do you are? Because I, I went, I unlocked basically all of them. Yeah, but I was like, oh well, I have to choose you know. this one. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I unlocked I, about three. There was definitely, if if I can complain about a couple things, it would only be that there were a few instances where you are like given something. And, you know, essentially said, like, go, go find, go find what you're supposed to do with this. And in like, at least one of them, I never, I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do with it. I wasn't unlocking enough stuff. I think part of that is the game really wants you to like properly explore every area. Uh, Because sometimes, you know, you get, you get given this object and it's like, you're going to find something eventually. Find this thing that's called X. You're like, I don't even know where to start. But eventually you'll just happen upon that place that happens to be called X and you know to, to, to continue the storyline that way. But I think too, because there's all of the clocks ticking on you, sometimes there is a sense of like, I have to ignore some paths in favor of others. And that means I leave one path like maybe even more open than I'm comfortable with. I I definitely had a number of storylines where I did not get like really any sense of conclusion. And it makes the game feel weird because the game is so much about like, I got to help these people and help these people and everything. And I had like three of those probably tie up in nice little bows or whatever. But the other three, I mean, in the end, my sleeper just left the station and I don't know what was going to happen to those other folks. I I have no idea. I didn't finish their stuff, and I and we had a whole plan. <laughs> we were doing something, and I just up and disappeared on them. So I guess that's its own kind of story. But the game, it's not like the game is like calling attention to that. It's just like, yeah, you left that thread open, and I guess you have to feel about that however you feel. Yeah, I I I kind of wish I did that. Uh, my while we're talking about like the downsides of the game, yeah, mine is that I kind of. Uh, at a certain point, hit an abundance of resource oh, yeah. that yeah. the game lost all tension, and also <laughs> the I started to finish all the clocks. Oh yeah. So by trying to do every ending and and indulging my completionist side mm-hmm. in this game, I sort of hit a point where it just felt like oh, this is a checklist now. Yeah. Like, and I wish I had never hit that. Right. I don't know how you design around it. Maybe if there were a few more fail states, so that. Yeah. I did actually feel like I could um, leave some things and not finish them, or I had to leave some things and not finish them. Right. But I hit a point where I was like, "Oh, I can, I can do all of these." Yeah. Uh, now I can just I choose think, my ending. <laughs> yeah, and and I right. wish, I wish that that was a little bit different, and I felt a little yeah. bit more pressed on like making my choice before I've seen out to yeah. the penultimate step of each of them that's interesting because i definitely never got myself quite to that point like i i did not master the systems well enough to and and some of it is i think like a laziness on my part where i just like i, I remember a couple times where like i would hit a cycle of like five or six days where i'm just like i just want to click through this i just want to finish this thing and that would leave like a bunch of other things by the way swat wayside but if you're just like on top of everything every day you def i could i could imagine how you would get to that point but like like for example you get to like another half of the space station at one point that's like very much about 
uh, uh, growing plants and there's like you, you grow mushrooms over there. I was terrible at the mushroom farming side of things. I could never keep on top of that. And it, it I hit a point right there. It's, it's like a halfway to a three quarters of the way through the game where like suddenly it felt like everybody wants mushrooms. All of my quest lines all want mushrooms at the same time and I can't get enough. So that that's when I was like, I have to choose who gets the mushrooms because I do not have space for everybody to do it. So I'm leaving this quest line aside. This one's not getting touched. I'm only going to care about my cook because the cook is the greatest man ever. I love him so much. Emphis. Uh, And then all my other mushrooms go to like my main, main storyline that I'm uh, working on or whatever. But yeah, I I, I felt a little bit taxed for economies. Um, And so maybe, maybe it was by virtue of, you know, I was, playing this all in one day in a rush to get this episode <laughs> recorded basically and um, just sort of lazily ch- cycling through decisions that probably should have been more carefully considered and yeah if you, if you carefully considered the whole game I could see it being robbed of that late game tension although I'll even say yeah I had some of it I mean I definitely could see where I could have just like ignored one of my final paths right there at the end and gone with something else but I was also way too into the storyline I had chosen that I was like, no, I'm just going to ride this out and, and get out of here. I, 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 we talked and we both picked the same ending and mm-hmm. I feel like it's the ending of dads. Yeah. Oh, if absolutely. You're a dad, yeah. Boy, <laughs> you have to take this ending. Boy, did I hit my brand on this one? Uh, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. There's, there are a handful of, there's one that I had actually gotten to before, um, where you are working with the vending machine. The vending machine is this robot that you find that's actually trapped in a vending machine and you can release them. And I focused really hard on that one for a while. But basically what happened is there comes a point in that one where uh, the robot gives you a seed to go plant. And I never found where to plant it. And I tried. Like I was constantly checking in on the green zone and everything. Like where all the plants were grown. And I I don't know what happened or what I messed up. But I could never successfully do the plant. But I do know, especially after the fact, I went and looked just to see how that storyline went in. And it's like, oh, that's a vastly different kind of ending (laughs) than the one I ended up going with. Yeah, it it. Even with the narrative, there's, like, limited space. Yeah. And they manage to, like, oh, I, now that I've read all the endings as well, yeah. they're all very different. Like, right, they're, right. you know, philosophically very different about who, who if you're going to leave the station with these people, there's yeah. a few ways to stay on the station. Right. Um, and it's just, it's super interesting, which makes, I mean, they're making a sequel that yeah. was announced uh, just one of the many summer <laughs> games <Yeah>. things. <laughs> uh, and I was immediately, like, Oh wow! I, I wonder what what is happening because yeah. like they is said you're a, a different sleeper going or, yeah. a different place. Is, is like, this a whole new story altogether, or are we? Yeah, I mean, one of the quote unquote endings that I was reading about is like, well, there's a way to just like not complete any of the endings essentially, and you just stay on the ship and just keep doing what you do over and over. it's not there's not like a an end game state but you can kind of just keep playing the game <laughs> forever and it's like i guess that says its own its own sort of thing without like a nice bow tied on it i want to hear i mean i know we both essentially did kind of the same storyline but i would love to hear about your playthrough to see how you ended up how you got there especially because i'm for my own curiosity i really want to know how different parts of this game can work themselves out like if there how much disparity there is between decisions and stuff so i would say for the listener 
we're going to probably do spoilers for a little bit. If you really care, this is not a long game. You should go play it, like go check it out uh, and then come back and listen to this part. But I, yeah, I'd love to hear about like your playthrough and what sort of plot threads you honed in on. Yeah, so I, I immediately uh, really started to chart out my resource management and I played it on stream and I had some okay. other uh, spreadsheet friends uh, type, <laughs> type people in the chat, my, my sister especially among them. <laughs> uh kind of being like well wait hold on like kind of helping to to uh really make sure we did everything wow um and so i you know we're trying to do everything at once we did focus um on like getting there's these kind of monetary gates Mm -hmm. that the game has that unlock new sections of the station and when you first see them you're like that is so much money (laughs) given what i make and what i have to spend on food right um, and then you you kind of unlock those, um, and what's very funny is that uh, you're on this ring where you can scroll forward and backwards, and of the kind of little scrapyard you start in, mm-hmm. there is an important location that keys into the ending I got, uh-huh. where you scroll back. I didn't scroll back forever. Oh, I, no. I didn't even notice that location existed. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the shipyards are back behind yeah. you, and there's a very involved plot line in the shipyards. <laughs> And which is very funny because I always talk about how like whenever a, a game these days starts you in a level facing this way, yep. the first thing I do is turn around to right. see if there's something the other way. But I didn't hear Not this time. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of then started to follow all these endings that I think don't get chosen as much uh, would be my guess by mm-hmm. the players because they're very late game. Like the botanist, you yeah. can kind of do an ending involving them, right? But you have to go through all the gates to even start right. their story. You have to meet like 10 characters before you've met the botanist. And then to suddenly be like, I'm going to go hard on the botanist storyline would be like a weird choice. Just narratively, basically. So, <laughs> so some of those late game endings were the ones I unlocked or, or kind of the, the endings that the starting point of their story is late game were the ones I unlocked first in a mm. weird way. Hmm. Um, that one. And there's one with a mechanic that's kind of at, at some point moves up into the eye of the space station. Right. And so, and they're all kind of compelling in their own way. Right. I, I do think the botanist is maybe the least compelling, but mm-hmm. all these characters are very likable. Right. And so you, you keep hitting, I kept hitting that point of like, oh, this is the end game with them, but yeah, <laughs> I still have a lot to do here. over here or, or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I felt that a lot in mind too of, um, well, the, the bigger thing for me was it feels like a lot of the storylines are about to end. And then you enter like a whole new wave of their thing. Uh, and that that definitely got me a couple times, almost to where I felt more confident in just going for an ending. Because I was like, I don't know how many more times like this storyline in particular is going to like pull the rug out from under me or whatever, or, or move into some new direction. Um, as long as I finished the Cook's storyline and uh, let's see, who else did I do? I did the, the Mercenary uh, was <laughs> one I got, I think almost all the way through if not all the way through uh and then there's a couple early on where i do not my big question is if they are always a fail state or not basically like there's one character you meet early on and then you just like piss them off and they're the person letting you stay in the cargo hold and they just stop working working with you altogether. but they're like you could stay in the cargo hold but like i'm done we're not we're not doing this anymore i can't even remember their name it was so early on in the game yeah i uh the the the, like old scrapper drone controller guy at the start yeah i also had that same state and i did wonder like yeah could could i 
have, have stayed with something? him. Right. I, yeah. I, don't... I, I do think the game is maybe a bit more narrow than fans of this genre might hope for. Um, I, you know, I think Disco Elysium is something that has like a lot of variety to it, but that's mostly from the various ways you can play it. Uh, you, you can play with a character that emphasizes these skills. And that means the story is told in a vastly different way because, you know, this personality trait is what's taking over. Whereas this game, the other mechanic we didn't talk about is like the leveling system. I messaged you before I started it and I was like, what character class did you, did you do? I want to pick a different one. And then I, you were busy and I, I just went ahead and picked one and we ended up picking the same starting class, but you were like, it doesn't matter at all. And you're absolutely right. You, you basically, after a single level up or two, you would be on the same footing as any other class. And then the rest of the game just plays out kind of however you choose to do it. Um, you, you basically level up with some abilities and then after you get an ability, you can boost uh, like that skill checks uh, dice bonus. So, you know, you, you basically can get a plus one to all whatever checks. I don't even remember like the, the skills or whatever. But the big point is all of your characters are going to kind of end up the same. Um, so while there are a bunch of different endings, to me, I get the vibe that the game is not wildly replayable because a lot of them are quite linear in what you do throughout the course of them. It's just at the end, you can choose exactly how you want the outcome to be is. So like you could essentially, uh, the, the cleverness I suppose is that this game like fully auto saves. So you can't just like save scum around and like try every ending. But I mean, almost to your point, your playthrough, you got everything to the point of completion where then all you would have needed to do from there is like choose which one of those critical paths you want to go down or whatever. And, and you could do that a few times. But I, I question if the game is like, really that replayable not that it needs to be but i think it's a genre where that is maybe sometimes an expectation uh that player choice is so emphasized you think it needs to have some weight to it or whatever um i didn't really have the urge to go look at all the other things in in the game i did read them actually in preparation of this i went and yeah. kind of read some of the ones i didn't get and i went back to reconnect with the game because i played it last year and I, I wanted to remember mechanically how it all worked right, um right accurately and when I did, I was like, well, maybe I'll play through it again. But as I was playing through it, once I kind of got back mm -hmm. it, into the game, I was like, no, I kind of had my story on the space station, like yeah. the way I wanted it. And I'm good. Yeah. I'm, like that, that's the story that I have. I, I think that's the part that maybe even flies in the face of what I said earlier, where like you do feel a disconnect from your sleeper, but it doesn't feel like the sleeper is enough of a character where you could fundamentally change that character on a later playthrough and this is definitely that kind of game where i think the narrative quality is improved by your first playthrough you doing what you truly want to do or what is in your heart especially because this is such an empathetic story it cares a lot about how you feel about the characters and how you interact with them and what you choose to do that to, to do it inauthentically to like i want to choose things because i want to do it different than i did last time i don't think it leads to more impact i think this story requires you to focus on who you connect with the most yeah and and that that's like the the cool part of it to yeah. me is like i wanted i didn't want to replay it but i did 
evangelize the game to some other people. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I wonder which ending my siblings will pick, or right. I wonder which ending <laughs> my friend would pick. It's more like a personality test. It's like you got to know yeah. what everybody went with because you got to know what kind of person they. Did you go with Lem? Did you go with Lem? <laughs> you didn't. That means something darker. I don't. I don't know, man. If you if you didn't go with Lem, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's it's your your citizen sleeper zodiac yes. is like which <laughs> which ending. <laughs> Well, speaking of Lem, let's. I'll, I'll talk about. Uh, I guess the ending we both went with, but I'll. I'll, I'll just speak on my perspective of it, um, which was early on. I was not really focusing on it. Like I said, I. I, re- I really liked the vending machine. Uh, I really liked the cook. The problem with the cook, the cook is not an end game state. The cook is just a storyline you can explore. Uh, he's a food vendor. And I mean, the first thing you're told is like, you do need to eat. And then you see a food vendor and you're like, okay, cool. Let me go see what this food vendor is all about. And then the food vendor is just like, tell me a story. And you're like, uh, uh, okay. And you click a thing and then your sleeper just like tells him a story and it's amazing. But you very quickly get to a check that's like gated by that thing you were talking about earlier where it's like, oh, I got to spend $150 to go to the other side of the ship. And I have no idea when that's going to happen. So there was like a huge disconnect from me rushing through all the food vendor stuff into when I would not get to get to it till way, way later. So anyways, I sort of was like picking around at a bunch of the storylines. I really liked the guy who is uh, his parents uh, grew up on this ship or whatever. He's trying to like really upend the company uh, and he's trying to find this guy. But his is another one of my stories where I got st- I just got stuck on it and I wasn't exploring the right area. What I later discovered in in playing is there was an area I needed to go explore and just like do the thing where it's like go meet everybody do jobs around the low end so you can find more stuff. I just like kind of ignored that for a very very long time and instead i ended up going to the shipyards and talking to lem and his daughter mina mina uh lem and mina you meet and obviously uh i am nothing if not predictable uh and lem is a dad and mina is his daughter and just that became the only thing i cared about (laughs) anymore (laughs) especially not just like from a ooh, it tugs at my heartstrings but i do think it's one of the more beautifully told stories because what i noted about Lem and Mina's plotline is this whole game is this sort of like anti-capitalism thing, uh, but is also trying to do the thing of like, but you do have to figure it out. You do have to eat. You got to spend your money on something. You have to make your choices of who you spend your time with. And every character has something you can kind of get out of them, except for Lem and Mina. They never (laughs) offer you anything. They just really 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 need help <laughs> and mm-hmm. you feel compelled to give them all of the all of your time they don't even need money like you can't just like give them money or whatever they just like you have to go work at the docks with them so you can stay close to them so that then you can help babysit mina so that lem can go do more work and it's like all they ask of you is your time essentially and then towards the end that's where you start to pursue this goal of getting on a ship and getting out of here. It's like a generation ship that's going to go off to some far away distant planet. And uh, essentially all of the people that have been working so hard to build this ship get completely screwed over. Uh, they n- None of the ones who were building it were ever going to be offered a chance to then be on it, even though the whole reason they were all working for less than what would be considered a minimum wage so that they would just get the opportunity to live on the ship. They all get screwed over, but you happen to like find a way to get Lem and Mina on it. Anyways, again, you're doing all of this just because 
you believe in the two of them. And that message felt the most at home with this game, which is like you wake up and you're like, everybody's out to get theirs. But like you get the most rewarding ending if you just choose to not. <laughs> if you just choose yeah. to not do any of that and help these people out. Uh, and I felt like I got the biggest reward because hilariously, the uh, the ending state that I got, you get like an achievement or whatever, uh, is uh, I, I got the achievement a lo the long way to a small, uh, far away planet, I think is what it's called, or a far, or a small distant planet, which is wild because EJ and I do a book club and I just today finished Becky Chambers a long way to a small angry planet, which is exactly what that ending is referencing. And the book is so much like about the same ideals of just like, listen, these are just people existing on this ship, doing what they do to survive every single day. It's not about loftier goals. Like, yes, they want to be on this generation ship, but you learn so many lessons about like just be there with a person and like the reason i chose to go with them was not because this generation ship mattered to me it mattered to them and i just i chose them basically as a as a family and i just thought that that was an incredibly told storyline that is one of those examples of something that couldn't have been done another way because i was the player having to make choices and i got to choose the people who the storyline was impacted by my choice of them if that makes sense like it just it felt so holistically video games basically yeah i was i was between leading up to it lem and mina and then bliss the mechanic who is like a business owner essentially uh -huh. trying mm -hmm. to do business in this difficult climate mm -hmm. i think both have like some of the strongest anti-capitalist vibes to their stories yeah. in that they are victims in a way you know mm -hmm. mina it's tugging at your heartstrings because oh, it's man. like hey here's this really harsh environment now there's a child right. in it and She's you're four. like oh no <laughs> yeah protect her at all yeah, costs yeah 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 uh but bliss is the same is, is a similar thing where it's like she's a mechanic and she's fallen on rough times and you can help her and you do get a little more back in the way of mm -hmm. resources from the game and whatnot than mm -hmm. you do with lem and mina but it's still that similar thing of like oh i'm I'm picking who to help. The game, mm -hmm. the game, ha to me has a theme of like being about chosen family. Yes, because you're a person who arrives with no real connections, and right. it's just all about which people you want to spend your time and resources on um, helping. And so, you know, it w I I did have the moment where I was like, well, can't I do both? Yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. The game is like, no, you ultimately have to choose. <laughs> That's the tough um, part. And the game definitely feels like that darkness is always there to it. It's, it is not a, a, an especially optimistic piece of science fiction on the whole. Uh, there are a couple, you know, nice humanist optimistic messages in there, but a lot of it is very steeped in darkness, especially that assassin storyline. I was, I was actually thrown off by how dark that particular storyline would get at times. Yeah, and that story starts preying upon like your kind of like fear of what you don't know because it's literally just one of those clocks yeah. and it's like you have in a dream you kind of connect to, you know, whatever ethereal network yeah, you yeah. have this weird connection to and it's like, "Hey, someone's coming for you." Right. Like that and that's kind of like all you know and the clock is just ticking down yeah. and like they're going to get here eventually. Yeah. Like I, I it's it does a really good job of being kind of a foreboding, yeah. um, oppressive atmosphere on this space station.
when he arrived, did you buy him drinks? He basically shows up and he offers you a deal. He's like, listen, I could assassinate you or you and I could just work out a deal and you could essentially funnel me money whenever I want to. Were, were you keeping up that end of the bargain? Yes, I I, wow. I bought him drinks. Uh, <laughs> how long does that go on? Like, how does he eventually, how does that eventually turn is what was my big question. Because I didn't, I never bought him a single drink. He shows up and he's like, what's going on, dude? And you're like, uh, 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 nothing. I don't know. And he's like, that's it. I'm going to, you know, like pack your bags. We're, we're doing this. And then circumstances happen that keep you alive and then he is suddenly like essentially he just loses the contract on you and he's like well there's no point in killing you i guess even though i totally should right now and uh the storyline gets just much darker from there but i was told i was so curious what happens if you keep up his bar tab uh, i i recall and i'm having to think i didn't do this part again yeah, yeah. in my new you know half playthrough uh if i recall after it basically you can only buy him so many drinks before it funnels you into that part of the storyline right. anyway, where eventually he does want more, you know, does want to kind of end yeah. end this agreement. Right. So it's you're just delaying the inevitable yeah. there, I think. And I, that, it, that was my expectation. And I think that settles even more like the idea that this game is like much more linear than it maybe even lets on. But I just I don't really count that as like a drawback. Like it, it's it's allowed to tell the story it wants to tell. But what's kind of nice about it is you get to choose the order you want to do that. And like you said, you you got to like get to the botanist way early and you completely ignored the back half of the ship like that does have an impact on like how you feel about the ship at the time you encounter things. I didn't go for Lemon Mina for a while. I let them just sit there for a while. I tried a bunch of other things. And what I felt happen in all my storylines is all of these other things keep fizzling out or something goes wrong or there's something worse at play. And I then fell back to Lemon Mina because I was just like, they don't want anything of me and I don't need anything from them. And like that felt safe, <laughs> whereas all of the other storylines so often didn't feel safe. So it was like, even though the the lack of safety is that so many things are out of our control in this storyline it really did punch home like the idea that like the the story of that path is stick with that family and like you'll you'll work out the rest as needed it doesn't it doesn't matter what your environment is if you have people there to like rely on or whatever and that, that just had such a bigger impact and if i had gone straight for lemon mina first and ignored a bunch of other storylines i don't think i would have had the same level of impact yeah, and I th I think there are enough NPCs that have their stories don't lead to an ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, to kind of give you context for when you do choose right. which ending you want, you you've at least experienced some amount of like failure or mm -hmm. some amount of like acceptance of like, well, this is this person's ceiling kind of yeah. on the space yeah. station. You've helped them, but like. This is where they're, this, yeah. this is as good as life can get for right. them. Right. Well, um, to the point of failure, too. I mean, like we said, we both had that one storyline where, like, you, you're basically doomed to quote unquote fail. Like, you, you get these things called drives, and those are essentially your quests. And I do believe that first guy you meet, there's no way you can ever succeed. Like, you will get to the point where the screen splashes up and says, drive failed. Like, that is just. It's pretending to be a mechanic when it's meant to just invoke an emotional response out of you because this 
story chooses to be inside of a video game or whatever. It's just using the colors and the look of video games to just tell the exact story it wanted to tell, which I love. Like, I'm so behind it for, for doing that. Yeah, I, I also, you know, I I always try to grade games on this curve when I'm thinking about how I feel about them, mm-hmm. or I used to rank every game I played on Steam when yeah, I was yeah. streaming. Uh, and I, I, you know, I don't think this game is the most ambitious right. game in scope. It's no Elden Ring, mm-hmm. but it also, like, it doesn't really miss. <laughs> it's yeah. what it shoots for yeah. in any significant way. It's yeah. like... Oh, I don't. I think I think they wanted to tell a relatively linear story that is about you eventually picking which of these people you know resonate most with you, right. and feeling you know some sense of completion and uh, and feeling like you had an interesting journey. And that's like all the game really wants to do. It yeah. doesn't want to do anything else, and it. I think it does that yeah. pretty pretty well, actually. Yeah, I I actually love it quite a lot for for all of those things you just said of like. Again, I mean, it, it's like six hours to do this story. Like, you, you can do this in one or two sittings, basically, if you really, really want to. Uh, or if, if I had been doing, doing it in my, like, normal way I play games, which is, like, a little bit on my Steam Deck each night or something, I think this would have also flourished uh, of just being, like, essentially a little book. I read a, a short chapter each night or whatever. I mean, that I think that would have felt just as as good. So I'm I'm really glad that games like this can exist and can do well enough to like also earn a sequel and everything like that like it's it's so refreshing that this game chooses to be like no physics systems almost no mechanics it's only six hours long and it's like one of the most important games of last year that like me- I'm that's not just like me being a hipster like that's what most people agreed this was a major deal of a game last year and it's like so supremely limited in scope yeah i i i think the fact is it on a lot of the game of the year lists i saw it was like somewhere in the like four to eight range yeah yeah i don't i don't think it was really gunning for anyone's number one spot you know in that way but video gamey enough to do that (laughs) yeah but it's like a lot of people were like oh yeah if if you played it it probably ended up i think on your list yeah yeah I played video games last year. I can't imagine <laughs> thinking of 10 I liked more from just right, last year. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting to... And I, you know, I, I in the in the era of games as a service, this yeah. is like a game that desires to never... You just, you play and you're done. Right. In, in, in a way that is very refreshing right. to yeah. me. In a way, the lack of replayability speaks even more to that, where it's like, if you started to replay, you'd be like, oh, this is like the same story. And it's like, yeah, because that's all we, that's the one we wanted to tell you, man. I Like, just go away, go experience someone else's story. This is a one-person team. One person made this game for you to enjoy. This is an authored experience, and I think that that's the best part. So I think we have to do the dirty task of ranking this on our list and we've had this fun thing recently where uh we we just have a a, such a such a cast of different people coming on the show and and hunter and i like cycling around and not always being on episodes together and everything so i'm very excited to bring you into the mix uh and and i know you've kept up with the show you're on the discord you're in you're in our community but i am curious how the list feels to you as as an outsider so far well, the, the list is very interesting to me because I sometimes feel like as a game player, I am 
I'm not the the middle between you and Hunter. I am either on any game a Matt or a Hunter. In, in, I always agree with like one of you yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when you have different takes on a game. So like on Elden Ring, I'm a Hunter. Sure, like a hundred. Yeah, I see your Elden Ring shirt right now during this recording. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I knew what I, I was didn't up wear against. this as a subtle dig. <laughs> By the way, I just happened to put this sure, shirt on. Sure. I, it may be because I own three Elden Ring oh, shirts, no. uh, but. Uh, but on like uh, you know on Celeste, I'm probably more a Matt uh, mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. than a, so I, I'm not perfect medium. And I've thought as a, as this week has gone by, knowing mm-hmm. I was going to do this, I was thinking about the personalities that people bring to the ranking segment. Right. With Sun always trying to push whatever game he's on, emphasize <laughs> again. <laughs> And EJ being an agent of chaos yeah, yeah. Uh, with the list, and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna, I I'm just gonna play it as 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 straight and even keeled mm-hmm. as I can, uh, and and try to uh, balance out the missing element in yeah. this case, Hunter. Uh, though I don't know how Hunter would feel about this game. Yeah, I um, wonder. I, wa- I I feel bad that he didn't get to join in on it for th- for this one. I think he it is something he will play at some point in the future. I'm sure, especially because it's not too long. So if he if he ever has the free time, I definitely will be talking it up to him. But yeah, I I, I wonder how he would have felt of it. But it doesn't matter. He's not here. Aaron is. So do we want to sort of ballpark uh, a range? Or are there any specific games on the list? that you really wanted to just call attention to, whether or not it's actually going to end up near that game or not. Like, the first example being like, obviously this is in a similar vein to Disco Elysium, but Citizen Sleeper is, in my mind, not about to be pining for the number one or even top five spot. And I don't know what's holding it back outside of maybe it's just like, it is too simple uh, for for this list's purpose. I love it and I want people to try it, but it's it's also just like a nice little treat to try. And nice little treats aren't top teners or whatever. Yeah, I I, I don't think it quite has aspirations for, for those really high spots. Mm-hmm. The the first game that really jumped out to me as a point of comparison is Papers, Please. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which, you know, they're both pretty small um experiences they both are shooting for a very specific level of engagement and replayability and all that um so that that one kind of yeah i mean gosh citizen sleeper definitely feels like a game that lives in the world papers please envisioned right in in terms of like when papers please came out in 2013 we really had not seen many indie games striving for that level of sort of interactive storytelling or whatever it, it really did something new and so yeah even citizen sleeper doesn't feel new to me it doesn't feel refreshing but i do think it's like maybe even more competently made than papers please but only because it's had a decade of foundation to build off of. So that is a, there, there's a world where I would love to put Citizen Sleeper above Papers, Please, but there's a world where I feel like that's disparaging Papers, Please's legacy. I, I wonder where you fall in that. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I'm not trying to plug anything, but I do a <laughs> horror movie podcast where we also rank things and that's always the thing, right? It's like yeah. legacy right. versus that and on that show we have three hosts and i'm usually the one speaking for legacy and they're like <laughs> now it's new movies better so so but i always think like that it is hard because i do think that citizen sleeper is more successful than papers please mm-hmm. especially replaying it papers please now obviously it was kind of revelatory when right. it came out but when i've gone back to it 
there's been some stuff where I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this part of yeah. the game. I right. wish I could just do the the very narrative centric part of the yeah. game. It's almost like has a little. It's weird to say it has too many mechanics because it has <laughs> so few, few. But well, but, well to, to to credit it though as well, the difference here would be. Again, Citizen Sleeper's mechanics are like not even mechanics. It's just clicking buttons on the screen. And and I mean that like quite literally too. It's not pretending to be a mechanic outside of maybe just the hacking. But beyond that, it's pretending to be a like a tabletop RPG or whatever. Whereas Paper Please, the one thing it's absolutely doing that Citizen Sleeper doesn't even try is that monotony of the task that it is about. So in that way, it's definitely more video gamey and in a positive light and in a positive way than Citizen Sleeper because Papers, Please not only has these storylines you can kind of explore and they your choice really matters and, and does things too, but also you are the person in the booth stamping the passports and having to deal with that day in and day out. And that invokes a mood all on its own. The only comparison to that in Citizen Sleeper is just the idea of the resource management game, keeping up with the sleep and everything. Yeah, I think also I, the reason that Citizen Sleeper probably resonates more with today's Aaron is I have a very big push in my life to be more optimistic and yeah. less cynical, like consciously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, as we mentioned, Citizen Sleeper doesn't let you kind of play in any sort of like nihilistic yeah. or, or mean-spirited way, as where Papers, Please is sort of about confronting the reality of being the cog in a in right. a terrifying corrupt system yeah. and what you want to do about that uh, <laughs> and how much you even can do about that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a way less optimistic right. game than Ab- this. Absolutely. Uh, um, so that's, that's probably why I think citizen sleeper it, in my heart right now mm-hmm. is like higher than that. But there's also the real weird thing about coming into a list that's, already established that i've just had I've, no input on right i've you, had no you, input you, on you wouldn't have put papers plays here necessarily that's that is the ugly truth of all of this list so yeah we have to sort of expand up and down a little bit to maybe get a better picture of where we want to go if i look down i immediately see snatcher two spots below papers please and i definitely want citizen sleeper to go above snatcher i think snatcher is cool and all the things we talk about but it's like also supremely dated uh, and and I don't even I just think doesn't do as interesting things as Citizen Sleeper finds a way to tell its story. Where Snatcher like tells a story linearly, but it's like even more on the face of it, uh, just a linear thing that you, with a couple puzzles thrown in there. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously much older than any of these things. The legacy is an even bigger deal, but even from a Kojima standpoint, it's not like Kojima still likes to call back to Snatcher. But I I think we all know Metal Gear Solid is what paves the way forward for for that guy <laughs> more so than snatcher is just like his long-running obsession uh with within his own uh stuff so i don't see if we put it below papers please if we put uh citizen sleeper below papers please i don't see it going much lower whereas there might be more room to climb up i don't know so i i, I wonder how you feel about that yeah i i i feel similarly obviously if i look further down there's things that i'm like i can't believe yeah. we're putting this <laughs> above Final Fantasy VII, sure. or um, <laughs> another or Crusader World, Kings Three. Those are games sure, that yeah. mean a lot to me. But ignoring that, I do agree. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm I played Snatcher 
it had kind of a um, a life in the something awful forums days mm. of my internet mm-hmm. where there was a very big let's play that was done uh, about it. And so I dove in and played it then. And even then I was kind of like, it's, it's cool that this exists, right? but you know, like all of, uh, to me, Kojima's everything pre metal gear solid three is like, you know, a work in service of getting to that point yes, where he exactly. really gets to do the thing he wants to do. True. And so I, I don't, I'm, they're not super beloved to me in the yeah. same way, you know, in, in, in any way. And while this isn't like a game I'd go to bat for as like goat status, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. excuse me, but it like, it is like, uh, you know, I do I do have fonder memories and I care about it more than Snatcher. And if anyone were to ask me, like, <laughs> I can play one game this month and it's yeah. either Citizen Sleeper <laughs> or Snatcher. Other than wanting to know more about what brought them to this point, uh-huh. I would I would 100% be like, well, play Citizen Sleeper. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a better experience. Well, l- what if we assume for a moment Snatcher is the thing truly out of place here? You brought up Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I, I think a lot of people always see Ocarina of Time and are insulted by our placement of it. But if, if and you're not one of those, maybe. Uh, but uh, if you go any further, like, are there any other big things you look and you're like, it's preposterous that Citizen Sleeper would be above that. It's insulting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, the things that the, the the thing that is most preposterous for me personally, and and like what uh, games are kind of. I don't know what games stick out to me mm-hmm. is uh, is is probably Crusader Kings three. That's like interesting, a, yeah, yeah. And that's because Crusader Kings was like what got me into Paradox and Grand Strategy mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. and and it kind of leveled me up as a gamer. Like I bounced off it several times, and then I was like one day that I had no nobody around. I was home by myself, and I was <sighs> like, I'm gonna figure this out. Yeah. And now it's kind of become. Um, one of my favorite types of games, you know, like I took two days off work when Victoria three came out just to sit and explore Victoria (laughs) three. So I've, I've kind of, I don't know that opened a door in gaming and it made me be like, Oh, I can handle these things that I thought I couldn't handle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that is the uh, other than final fantasy seven, which I think goes with, yeah, I'm, I'm a hunter on final Uh fantasy seven. So, uh, well, I, I feel like I want, I feel the need to compromise a bit here because I really don't see a reason to go wildly higher than that 20s area. Snatch your papers, please. The stuff above it, it's like, no, come on. Those are, I, like, I'm not, there's no way I'm putting Citizen Sleeper above Eco. That game meant way too much to me uh, to mm-hmm. do that. So if if I'm looking for just, like, compromises because I'm like, eh, it, I don't see why it would be below Snatcher, but you're like, yeah, but I want it. You know, it, it needs to also not be below Crusader Kings 3, which is quite a bit further down the list. If we at least find that Final Fantasy 7 is in the middle of that at number 30 mm-hmm. and we look below that, I see what what I notice in this like late 20s, like Ocarina of Time through, I don't know, Another World is like big deal games that are also quite cool in various different ways. Uh, Ocarina of Time is more on the, like, just a big deal in terms of how people think about it, whereas, like, Bongayo and and Another World and, and, and all these things are, like, just also very, very cool. I don't know if I would call Citizen Sleeper, like, super cool. I think it is more, it's an empathetic story. It's that new wave of sci-fi that is very optimistic, like you talk, talked about. It's very much trying to be a part of that new ecosystem but that doesn't make it like 
a cool, crazy video game that's wild to play. That is something I think generally this show appreciates. So like, I feel like I'm talking myself into a world where it hits maybe like right below another world and above Hitman or something. Because the stuff below that, I feel confident that it is above. I feel confident that it's above Super Monkey Ball, Half-Life, Final Fantasy X, Skyrim. All of those things are like easy sells. Crusader Kings 3 being the only one that's like maybe feels out of step for you. But yeah, do, do you think as low as 34 uh, is is kind of a relevant space for it? I I, it, I just feel like I'm slapping another world in the face and I, I don't want to always be doing that. Yeah, I uh, I love another world as well. That's a that's a game that I you know played a long time ago and mm-hmm. I have fond memories of. So I'm I'm I think it's fair to put it underneath that. Um, 34 is right above Super Monkey Ball, which I think I think this game will stick with me in a way that Super Monkey Ball simply cannot. uh, (laughs) It's a bit too Sega, perhaps. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a fun game for sure, but it's it's almost like a mobile game level of interaction, um, and that that for me is not generally a thing that can stick in my in my brain that way. Yeah. So that that makes sense to me. So then. Hitman. Hmm. <laughs> are you a hit? Are you a are you a new Hitman person? Do you do you dig on those games? Yeah, I I love the whole world of assassination, mm-hmm. you know, trilogy. There, I, I I I am one of the people who thinks that it was strongest as just the first game, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I do think as they kept adding levels and worlds, I was like, all right, it's getting a little a little muddy. There's some fun yeah. stuff in all of them, but the first one, I when I played it, I was like, oh. I never got these games before. Yeah. These the like why people like Hitman, but now I'm I'm in it. It's yeah. like this fun sandbox where I'm figuring out how this level, this machine that this level is, right. you know, right. operates, and then trying to run this kind of routine within it, where mm-hmm. in I murder a person or, yeah. <laughs> or multiple <laughs> right. people. Oh, and I definitely think within that, I think there are similarities here because we're talking about you know one of Hunter's complaints with Hitman is it is actually at times maybe a bit linear. The things you actually can do are very focused on the mechanics they chose to put in there. It's not like you can actually do anything you want in a Hitman level. There's like a handful of a series of threads you could try, and then anything else is like doesn't feel as much like a story, right? Like oh, I can walk up to a tower and snipe the guy. Well, that's mm-hmm. not telling any sort of interesting story that's just like a different way you could have done the level in the same way that citizen sleeper is like narratively quite linear and you you could feel like there are other ways like you could do this but really it would just come across as like a slightly new vibe to how you did the thing and again i feel like i keep coming back to this idea that citizen sleeper is good well made uh and i like it a lot it's not actually doing anything revelatory or like wildly interesting outside of the like sort of philosophy of its story right but everything else exists very neatly inside all of the things that have come before it basically so i do i do kind of feel like i could put it below hitman because at least hitman like was a true i mean is is like i think the pinnacle of the stealth genre and citizen sleeper is not the pinnacle of these kinds of storytelling games. I just think it's a really, really good one. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm with that as well because I, to sort of rebut uh Hunter's point, I played Hitman when it came out. And so I did a lot of the like elusive targets and like the weekly content that oh, came out. Sure. Put... Yeah. Yeah. So I think I got to do a little bit more of that, like, 
experimentation with the game uh, yeah. because I I wasn't just playing the the authored content the levels were built around. Right. They were like, well, now figure out a way to kill these guys, and yeah. I would have to do that. So, um, so I did get some of that out of Hitman, and and that is something this game doesn't really have. Yeah. So I I I feel like thirty four is a good spot. Yeah. So so Hitman. What we would do here then is Hitman would stay at thirty four. We put Citizen Sleeper or right below it sorry. at thirty five, ranking just above Super Monkey Ball. I think that feels right. It was fun to talk about it up there in the high twenties, but there's too many important all timers, and Citizen Sleeper is the kind of game where I do think people will remember it, but they will not remember it as some critical thing that sort of defined a moment in gaming i think it was a part of a really good year for indies and tells a story in a really you know like well-crafted way but beyond that i think it is i don't want to use the word unremarkable but something in that direction of just like yeah it's just really good i mean honestly it's so perfect that i finished that that becky chambers book a, a long way to a small angry planet because that book is the same idea that that book is very pulpy on purpose it chooses to be super pulpy it chooses to just be about its characters it almost like opts to specifically not have an overarching plot like in the end the climax of the story is just like i don't know we just ended it anyways we're gonna do more of these books because i just like these people and uh it just so it's so confident in what it in its limited little scope of just trying to be kind of a source of joy and uh uh you know some some comforting lessons or whatever that it's it we don't need it to rank super highly on this list it just needs i'm just glad it's here i'm happy that it's on the list and kind of in the middle yeah it 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 fits it would have felt weird to go to especially high. as you looked at it in the following weeks of like <laughs> Why is this? Why is that? Why is this, how this get up this here? Is next yeah. to eco. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much for for especially last minute uh, joining me on this. I, I messaged you out of the blue. I was just like, listen, I know you've talked about Citizen Sleeper. I need someone to join me on this. So I, I definitely appreciate you. I also appreciate you for being a part of the community, especially for spearheading the Minecraft server. I know Hunter and I haven't come and hung out on it yet. We keep talking about what we want to, and I know you're sort of keeping that alive. And we definitely appreciate you for like having a cool place for people to hang out and everything i am that server's absentee father so i cannot judge you and that i started it i logged on and i had this grand dream and then like reality i over i'm a serial over committer and so reality slowly yeah. drug me back down of like you aren't gonna have time not to play minecraft on this well i think uh, our goal is definitely to do a mine minecraft episode sometime so hopefully we can maybe just get the whole server re-rallied to really tackle a major project together or, or or something and my hope would be that that server stays alive just long enough where when we get into it it feels like it, the bones of people that were here that we then have to build on top of that's very uh coal whirly oath-esque of us i think that's yeah. the whole idea idea behind that game but yeah uh anyways th thank you so much for for being a part of this episode and being a part of the community and everything and uh you know obviously you said uh oh i don't know if i should be plugging stuff i want you to please plug your other podcasts and your other work and everything i would i would love for everyone to know where they can uh find stuff by you yeah uh i'm constantly doing like i said too much uh i have a podcast <laughs> called how, how to love the dark which is a uh horror podcast it's on everything uh if things go right, if this comes out on Tuesday, the yeah. following Thursday, I should have a new music podcast oh, called cool. How Great is Great um, that starts up. But That's you know, amazing. 
as long as everything uploads in the right <laughs> way at the, the right time hits, and yeah, comes yeah. together. As long as Apple um, approves or whatever, and they do. And if you like ranking, both of those podcasts <laughs> have ranking on them because I love ranking and tier yeah. lists and all that kind of yeah. just as a source of discussion. So, uh, yeah, and I'm, I check yeah, them out if you're, you're into those things. You're well at home in sort of, I feel like we together need to turn all of our things into one sort of podcast network that's just like the rank em ups or whatever because it's yeah. absolutely <laughs> our collective brand. I mean, I do think the first time I ever watched something you were making was when you were doing your Steam uh, ranking stuff, but specifically you were in that, like, it's not an emulator, but that, that Genesis, like, oh, yeah, hub yeah. thing. And so you were, you were ranking like every Genesis game available on that. And I, I remember watching your streams of that, uh, many, many times, uh, and just seeing where you would fall on, on that stuff was really great. Uh, so I, you know, that, that was like our early days of this show. I was like, oh, we, Aaron's doing the exact same thing. This is great. Like, I, you know, I love this. So yeah, I think, I think it, in, in due time, we're just going to have our little rankings, uh, podcast network. And, and freak everybody out together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week, I'm very excited. Uh, we have uh, Ezra Fox is going to be back because we are finally doing King's Quest VI, a game I'm stoked to talk to talk about because I've never played a point-and-click adventure game that wasn't either Homestar Runner or uh, a LucasArts games. So uh, it was my first venture into somebody else doing uh, the, the genre. So I'm very, very excited for that. Nice. I'm a I'm a Sierra head when oh, it comes cool. to point and click adventure games. So okay. I I love King's Quest. Yeah, I I did like this one. Spoiler alert. So I I'm excited for everybody to check it out. So we'll see you all next week. Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson, with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Oh, <laughs>